We are back for a week six recap. And once we get through Monday Night Football, we'll officially be a third of the way through the regular seasons. The Dolphins continue to look like the best offense in the league. The 49ers proved to actually be mortal. And if there weren't enough injuries in week five, we've got too many to add again this week. Let's break down my cash line and my tourney decisions. Preview the Monday Night Football game between the Cowboys and the Chargers. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I am your host, Justin Herzig, and this feels like a landmine week, a trap week. Did you fall into the Deonta Foreman trap? He was the fourth highest owned running back on the slate. He put up 7.7 DK points. What about Dave Montgomery? Sixth most owned running back, gets hurt, only puts up 4.3 points. Or uh, Logan Thomas, highest owned tight end. Only putting up 1.2 points. Lots of landmines to avoid on this week. Overall, a very low-scoring week, all things considered. Um, and then, yeah, just coming off that crazy Monday night football game. But we'll focus today on the main slate for me. I uh, started pretty strong. Winning the late games, feeling pretty decent about where I was standing. And then I don't think the afternoon could have gone any worse for me. Let's dive in. So I put up 122.14 points a day. I only won 16% of my head outs. Missed the cash line by a solid amount. And it was it was ugly. That second half, uh, those late games just absolutely crushed me. But yeah, so my team at quarterback, I played Matthew Stafford. I went with three running backs, Raheem Mostert, Chuba Hubbard, and Dave Montgomery. Wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Christian Kirk, and Marquise Brown. Evan Ingram at tight end and Cardinals deep. Now, why did I lose? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, for this specific week, my low-owned players were pretty much duds. Um, David Montgomery was only 15% owned. He put up 4.3. Marquise Brown was only 11% owned, put up 7.4. Despite two times, he could have, should have had a 40-yard touchdown, but it is what it is. I had leverage on those guys, and neither of them did well. Overall, it was a tough week because, out, I mean, from like a planning, from a process, from how did I get to this lineup, it was a tough week for me because outside of really Chase and Mostert, I didn't think we really had any great plays, anything I felt great about. I mean, a bunch of good plays, but I wouldn't say they were any kind of, hey, this is a clear slam dunk home run. Um, at the quarterback position, I was really only considering Matthew Stafford at 6,100 and then Joe Burrow at 6,300. Jalen Hurts was a little uh, a little too expensive. Tough matchup, sitting at 8,200. Tua was more of a turning play for me because there was just too much uh, blowout risk in that one. And then between Stafford and Burrow, it was really close. I like the positive reports of Burrow that he was running at full speed, but also you had Higgins was still kind of limited. And combined with that, we've still seen those poor performances, even though, yes, Burrow did look great last week. The preceding weeks, whether it was calf or not, were just, it was very, very rough. And so I wanted to kind of eliminate that low floor risk. And for me, Stafford felt more safe. He just doesn't obviously have the upside that we're looking for, given how much you know, he's immobile. They're also, they run a bunch inside the red zone. So between the two, it was close, but I leaned towards the safety and Stafford and saving that 200. Ended up Burrow outscored Stafford by about a point and a half. So no one really, you know, in the entire QB field, no one really separated outside of Tua. And then I guess Hurts got there at the end as well. But again, it was never really in contention consideration for me. 
Looking at the ownership, so using the $5 single entry, Stafford ended up was highest owned at 27%. Burrow was after him at 20. And after that, you had Minshew at 12, Fields at eight, and then everyone else was five or lower. Uh, no real separation there. So it was kind of a, I don't know, as long as you didn't get unlucky with the Fields injury, you didn't really lose ground on the field there. Now, running back. Running back, normally I'm looking at like between around five running backs this week. I saw seven running backs that I think were all in contention for me. You had five on the higher end. You had Mostert, Etienne, Montgomery, Kamara, and Kyron, all at the expensive side of things. And then on the cheap side, it was Chuba Hubbard and Deonta Foreman. Mostert was the clear lock. He was mispriced, 6,400, has the huge upside, all the positives of the Dolphins running game, the efficiency. Didn't expect Mostert to just go and like take 70, 80% of the touches in that backfield. Even in week one, we saw him only still getting in that kind of mid 50s range. And I expected something similar there, but it doesn't matter. Him just getting kind of 50 to 60% of the rushes. We also know he's used heavily in the passing game. Those plus the efficient, like it was never not considering Mostert at that price. And the field agreed playing him at 72% of the field playing him. For my second running back, I pretty quickly realized that I'd definitely be playing either Chuba or Foreman. And the more I thought about it, the more I like Chuba for two reasons. One, we were confident in his receiving usage. They've used him in the passing games before. That is part of his skill set. And two, we can be more confident than in his, in his mean projection and his floor because they, we know the team likes him. We've seen him being used in that offense. We then got additional clarity that he would be the primary back there. Yes, shared backfield and such, but it wasn't a uh, situation of coming, you know, I guess we get to the down to Foreman because that's what it was with the down to Foreman. First off, we'll go to the pass catcher side of things. Yes, in week one, he still ran routes. He ran around on 31% of Justin Fields' dropbacks, but that's not in his skill set. We haven't seen that before. So that didn't give me enough confidence that Deontay Foreman was going to just magically become and be used as a pass catcher. And the second is I just didn't have confidence in his role. I mean, this is a player who's been a healthy and active most of the year. He's jumped from team to team without keeping a role. We just don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. We don't really know how that team feels about him. So I think you could, I could buy that he had more upside. I know some people were definitely pushing like, hey, he's got more upside because if we're right that he's going to be the primary, the only back back there, then that's the play. But I didn't even see that much upside in him because at the end of the day, Chicago is still not a great team. You still have Justin Fields stealing goal line work. The questionable pass catching. So when I'm not in love with his upside, and I definitely feel he's got far lower floor than Chuba, I leaned with the Chuba, went with the Chuba there. Ended up, I think, being the right decision from a process. And results, Chuba, 30% of the field went with him, put up 16 points. Compared to Foreman, 20% of the field went with him, 7.7. Really came down to Chuba, got that touchdown, obviously. But uh, I think from a process, it was still the right decision between the two. And now for my third running back. This is this might be where I made a mistake. This is where I'm definitely considering because I just couldn't turn down that role of Dave Montgomery that we've seen with Gibbs out. And I considered ETN, but I didn't want to have three Jags in my lineup. Maybe I should have actually considered ETN harder and considered maybe getting off of the other one of the other two Jags in the lineup, but we'll get to that. At ETR, we had Montgomery projected for three points more. And I think that three points more, um, oh, I guess so Kyron's that one. Okay. So Kyron's one that maybe I should have actually said, hey, I can save $800. I can get a very similar role to Dave Montgomery, not going against Tampa, which is a very stout run D. 
And so a lot of things like about Kyron. Now, Kyron, it worked out really well. He ended up with 20 carries, 158 yards, and a touchdown. But at the half, he also, I think he only had two carries for four yards or four carries for two yards, something like that. Like, it was not much. Ended up being a beast of a game. Nothing in the passing work, but getting it down done on the ground. And so that's where I'm going back and forth. Like, should I have maybe been more willing to take that $800, go down to Kyron, um, because we do love that role and that offense. But I went with the Dave Montgomery. And again, like, yeah, ETR had Dave Montgomery projected for three points more than Kyron. And I'm sure I let that sway me a bit. Um, so I'm still kind of on the fence there. Like, should I have done the Kyron gone down? Obviously, hindsight, I think the play was maybe consider ETN and then use that to get off of someone like Christian Kirk or Evan Ingram, the other two that I played, because ETN's role right now is just so valuable in that offense. Um, I don't know. Or maybe I ran unlucky. Maybe I got unlucky with the Dave Montgomery. We're really not going to know because obviously Dave Montgomery got hurt, only got those 4.3 points. Um, tough, tough to really make a strong conclusion on this one. Other wide receivers, I mean, running backs out there. So I mentioned Mostert 72%, Chuba 30, Kyron 22, Deonta Foreman at 20. Kamara mentioned as well as a consideration just because of how much he'd be getting use in the past game. He was at 19%. Uh, and yeah, ETN only 10% owned, but yeah, put up that 23.3 big game with the two touchdowns. All right, moving on to wide receivers. I mentioned at the top, Jamar Chase was my other lock at 8,300, just solid matchup for Seattle. Higgins was still going to be limited as a report. Uh, we saw what Jamar Chase was able to do last week, how easily he got open, how much he was the first look from Joe Burrow. And without Higgins at full steam, you know, and a great, and a pretty solid matchup against Seattle. 8,300 for Jamar Chase, about 700 to 1,000 less than the other elite guys. Just felt like it was the right play there. So locked him in at the top end. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup were then just too expensive to jam in once I was already paying up for Mostert and Montgomery and Jamar Chase. So the next is really like, hey, who are those mid-range wide receivers that are attractive? The two that really popped for me, so Christian Kirk and I'd say a plus-plus matchup versus Endy, Nose Jones. And then Marquise Brown, who's just been a target monster. Both those were around the same price, 5400 5300 respectively. Uh, I think looking back now, I really hate that I didn't consider paying up for Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was only five or 600 more in a matchup that we knew they'd be trailing against Miami. His role has been just phenomenal. I, this feels like a bad miss on my part. Thielen's role, game in and game, game out, Ben Money. So 38% target share the last two weeks. The three weeks before that, he had 28% target share. Oh, it's definitely up there with one of the most surprising things this season, I think, what Thielen has been able to do week in and week out. But I need to adjust my preseason priors, except that he is a stud in this offense. Really, the closest comp I'm coming to is like he and Bryce are kind of like Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. Like um, Bryce just has eyes for Cooper Cup. And when they're behind, like, it doesn't matter. He's, just, I mean, <laughs> Bryce's eyes for Adam Thielen. It, the, it, it's amazing. So, oh, it's so dirty. It's so ugly, but I'm accepting. Definitely made a mistake there and need to be considering Thielen, especially at a price that he was, which was only, I think, 6,200. Um, might have been less. I'm trying to, not, I think, oh, 58, uh, 6,000. I don't know. Something around that. Sorry. But um, yeah, need, need to be considering that more going forward. Um, Jamar Chase was on 50%, Christian Kirk 35%. So those were the two highest owns, and those are the two that I did have in the lineup. Marquise Brown, as I mentioned, is where I had some leverage down at 11%. The wide receivers that were four, more owned, 
Josh Down, people wanted to pay down for 25%, take advantage of that Gardner Minshew connection. We've seen Thielen was the fourth highest at 23%, Cooper Cup at 22%. Both of those two guys put up 30 plus games. And so if you faded those two, that really put you kind of behind either of those two, put you behind the eight ball uh, and cashing. And uh, when you combine, hey, my Marquise Brown 7.4, my David Montgomery crash and missing out on either the Thielen or Cooper Cup, it really hurts. And now on tight end. So normally on tight end with DraftKings, I'm trying to pay down, particularly under that $3,000 mark. But this week, there really just weren't any viable options down there. Um, all the cheap guys, it felt like a 3,500, 3,600. It's like the algorithm for DraftKings kind of just like hit the repeat, the control C, control V button because Kyle Pitts, Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz, Zacherts, all of them were at that 35 to 3,600 range. I didn't love any of them. Uh, each of them, it, it's interesting. If you looked at each of them, it's a history of bad games, bad games, bad games with one or two spikes missed in there. So Kyle Pitts has done nothing in the last week. Got strong targets, had the decent, had a pretty strong week. Logan Thomas, we've seen trending a little, but it's a, a lot of that hit or miss. Dalton Schultz, three straight, very poor weeks. And then last week has a strong week's high targets, gets the touchdown. Um, and then throw Zacherts in there as well. But for me, what I was looking at for a thousand more, I could play Evan Ingram in a game that they don't have Zay Jones. And again, I mentioned that's a plus plus matchup against Indy. Uh, and if you look at projections, we had his projection for three points higher than any of the others. Three points for a for $1,000, usually pretty strong trade-off at tight end. And I thought he had that kind of uh, median ceiling outcome that we just weren't getting with that next tier. Again, if that next tier was in that 28, 2,900, 3,000, I would have been more, been more willing to take any of those guys, whichever it was at that price. But it just didn't feel like it for the 35, 3,600. Ended up it was from a pure point standpoint, it worked out. Evan Ingram put up 11. Logan Thomas was a dud at one point. Zach Ertz was a dud at four. So Thomas was 32% owned. Zach Ertz was 13% owned. Evan Ingram was right between those two at 15. So that worked out well. But when you then think about kind of the trade-off for it and kind of the opportunity cost, maybe if I did go down that extra thousand, I could have gone from Marquise Brown or Christian Kirk up to Adam Thielen, as well as upgraded my defense. So there was a strong opportunity cost there that I need to account for that maybe those, you know, seven points or nine points that I gained on the others may not have been as worth it if I missed out on the big 30 burgers um, by Adam Thielen. And then at de defense, most week was just looking at the, you know, if I wasn't getting up to the 49ers at their price, then it was pretty much to say, hey, go for the two cheap ones. Cardinals and Patriots are the two cheap that I was looking at, 2,400 and 2,600 respectively. This lineup left me with 2,400, so I went with the Cardinals, 1% owned, five points, fine, whatever, no big deal. Uh, but yeah, so in summary, team put up 122.14 points. I won 16% of my heads ups. Did not make any of the cashes for the 50-50s. Obviously, got a little unlucky with the David Montgomery. The Marquise Brown had two 40-yard touchdowns that he should have. Oh, Josh Dobbs just hits him. But, hey, that's what you do when you play with a quarterback who's, uh, you know, not a uh, uh, below below par NFL quarterback. So you, you take what you got. Not a great week, but uh, thankfully had a strong GPP that we'll touch on. And, uh, oh, right before that, we'll do the uh, like do the comparisons. I thought this was interesting. So normally when I'm doing these like $5 single entry, what's the cash line? $5 multi-entry, what's the cash line? And we've seen some really, really large gaps. Today, $5 single entry cash per line was 138.3. And for the multi-entry, it was 139. So less than a point difference. 
What I think this means and what it touches on is that this was a pretty difficult week for the max entry people. And so, you know, when we see the strong weeks, the people who are putting 150 in and they're cashing, that's going to push the cash line um, for what you need a lot higher. But when a lot of those 150 maxers are actually missing the cash line, they're down low, you're then seeing, okay, now there's not actually that much of a gap between the single and multi entry. Um, so an interesting result for just a bit of a kind of weird wonky week. Uh, but it seems like if you uh, got off of got off some of the chalk plays, you had the opportunity to get some higher value plays. And you know, that's what you usually see in the difference between a single and multi-entry, the people who are kind of maxing out first one-offs. All right, GPP life. Loaded up one lineup this week. Felt pretty good about it. So went kind of high on the volume side of things. Ended up putting a score of 161.5 points, two to three X my money, uh, depending on the different tournaments. Uh, tournament lineup was Jalen Hurts at quarterback, two running backs with Kyron Williams and Raheem Mostert, four wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Christian Kirk, Josh Downs, and Marquise Brown. Tight end was Dalton Schultz, and defense were the Patriots. Uh, so what does this look like? I mean, yeah, I spent a lot of time playing with the Sims, and Jalen and Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown were really looking to come in low-owned, despite obviously having that substantial upside. I don't no, if it was just like, hey, it's the Jets. I know like their price was just a little more expensive than kind of what we'd um that than making them show up in a lot of the optimizers, but you have Sauce Gardner out, the entire Jets secondary was injured. It just didn't scare me. And I thought, hey, when I'm gonna be able to get these guys low owned, it was a you know a strong combination. Ended up Jalen Hurts was six percent owned, AJ Brown was five percent owned. I'm gonna we're gonna get those around those percentages. Absolutely love it. From an upside standpoint, uh, Kyron Williams and Marquise Brown, and then Christian Kirk and Josh Downs. Both those were two mini stacks. Uh, Dalton Schultz with my low owned tight end. And a week, as I mentioned, I didn't really love any tight ends. So in those situations, I'm definitely going to try to go off the board and grab someone low owned. Got Dalton Schultz at 4.8%, who ended up going a uh, pretty strong day 61 yards, four receptions, and a touchdown. Uh, and then the, I mean, I mentioned the Marquise Brown, this is, uh, combined with the cash, but also this, the tilt was just horrible. Just twice seeing him, you know, beat his man clear three, four, five steps free of his defender and, uh, you know, Josh Dobbs missing him on 40 yard touchdowns. Oh, that was tough. That and the Patriots ended up being my snowflakes, but I got a little, you know, I also got a little lucky with the Christian Kirk and the Josh Downs, not having great days, but saving it with a touchdown. So ended up with that 161.5, pretty strong day and um, ended up being I mean, a pretty strong lineup. Ended up being an okay day with the GPP saving my cash flow. All right, moving on from my uh, decisions and lineups and such. And let's go to the injuries. So injuries aspects, I mean, if you were watching today, it just felt like left and right and left and right. We had players leaving the field. We had players going in the tent. We had players going to the locker room. And after having, you know, what, four major guys go to the IR last week, Ugh, now we have more injuries. Hopefully, hopefully most of these aren't as severe, but we've got four. Complete avoid. Uh, Tyson Baggett was a undrafted free agent out of Shepherd University. receivers to everyone in my mind is a complete avoid if Justin Fields is not healthy, unfortunate. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence had a knee injury. Uh, CJ Beathard is a, a pretty competent backup in my 
game. Uh, maybe Christian Kirk gets a little more of the on underneath route, so he's not hurt as much, uh, but probably like a overall, you know, hurt to the offense just from an overall touchdowns and efficiency. Um, but I think Calvin really probably gets it the worst. Jimmy Garoppolo, back injury. He left the game. Brian Hoyer can, um, yeah, I guess Hoyer's a drop-off a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Probably it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Not really that concerned about it. I think like. Fourth quarterback is Ryan Tannehill had an ankle injury. Ugh, these ankle injuries are always scary. Um, you know, we, we know we can see significant time there. Interesting enough, Malik Willis was the one who came in immediately. Obviously, there was consideration would that be Will Levis, but ended up being Malik Willis. We saw enough of Malik Willis last year. There's been reports in preseason and during the offseason that Malik Willis has taken a step forward. We did not see it in the game. Titans are two and four. If Tannehill is out an extended period of time, I mean, this team is may as well. You're going to see what you got. If one of those, probably both the quarterbacks. Especially if Tannehill is out an extended period of time. Okay, moving on to running backs. Number one, Christian McCaffrey, oblique ribs injury. Came back in for a play, then left again. We'll see what happens. And it's not like uh, you know they were in garbage time. San Francisco lost, so this hopefully is not injured is not too serious. When CMC was out, Jordan Mason got the majority of the work work there. Could be because Elijah Mitchell has been injured, uh, so maybe they didn't want to give like you know you know. So Jordan Mason is the one who's really been in practice and. Been be the guy to own unfortunately with my best ball bags because i got a lot of elijah mitchell maybe we see more like a 60 40 maybe there's a split i don't know i think there's a lot of op options here but my guess is that jordan mason is the guy to own if cmc is out okay david montgomery a ribs injury maybe jameer gibbs should be back next week i'm not quite sure on that timeline if he's not craig reynolds continues to be the primary guy but couldn't really do much but hey again it was against a difficult tampa bay front seven they get the ravens next week not easy uh not as hard i'd say from a rushing standpoint but we'll see Reynolds will still be the rusher. Maybe Jameer Gibbs gets a little more work in the passing game, gets a little more carries. And the last one, Kyron Williams, also an ankle injury. I didn't really see this one. Didn't seem like he was out for long. Maybe this is the very end of the game. Um, so maybe it's not too serious. We'll continue to monitor it. But Zach Evans and Ronnie Rivers split the work behind him in this game. Rams are three and three. Could they be in the market for a running back? Maybe Derrick Henry? I think they're pretty content with Kyron Williams, even though he hasn't actually looked uh, that great on efficiency standpoint. But if Kyron is out, there's a really a large gap. And for real, um, you know, other than I think like I don't know, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle probably get a few more looks. Uh, Jawan Jennings probably steps up in the Debo role a little, but it's not like you're going to be starting him in fantasy anytime soon.
We'll continue to monitor those on Thursday. I can give some additional updates. And as we learn more, I'll continue to provide my takes on how we react to this news. Monday night football. After a pretty gross Sunday night football game, we are getting an should be an exciting one. Cowboys are one and a half point point favorites at the Chargers. Over under is 50 and a half. just three blowouts, beating up on bad teams, but then also has losses to the Cardinals at 28-16 and then got destroyed to San Francisco 42-10 last week. I think the Chargers probably have the second best offense of those teams, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Dallas T can get enough pressure to really disrupt this game. Um, For the Chargers side of things, we're getting the return of Austin Eckler on DraftKings Showdown. He's the most expensive player on the slate despite a difficult matchup against Dallas. I think we also need to keep an eye. Earlier today, we saw Josh Palmer um, popped up on the injury report, unexpectedly showed up as questionable. So if he's out, his route but with Big Mike Williams out, we, you know, hey, coming out of the bye is a lot of times where we start seeing first round rookies really start to hit their stride. And now with Josh Palmer potentially being hurt, questionable, maybe doesn't play, this could really be a big opportunity. And at in showdown, $4,200 for Quentin Johnston. If Palmer's out, he'll probably become a near lock. If Palmer is in, then I really like him as a high upside, hopefully not too high owned play. And I mean, yeah, Trayvon Diggs, I don't expect him to be shadowing um, that's even better. Okay. And then on the Cowboys side of things, crazy stat that I read uh, last week, but the Cowboys haven't run a single play in the second half in neutral game strip, meaning in the second half on offense, they have never been within a touchdown either ahead or behind. Just such funky games. And we don't really know who this offense is then. I mean, I've seen Tony Pollard. He's lost a step. He's ranking near the league worse in efficiency and tackles broken. But C.D. Lamb, he's only had one top 20 wide receiver game this year. Brandon Cooks' best game was wide receiver 47. I actually think the public is... Because the Charger side of things is just more, there's just more confidence in where we're going. It's a tighter target tree, especially if Josh Palmer is out. I think we might be surprisingly people actually playing a little more of the Charger side, despite the Cowboys having that really strong defense and being the one and a half point favorites. For me, I'm liking the most play that Dallas passing game, lead into the uncertainty. I'm going to fade Pollard in this game because I think this is, you know, I just don't think this is the same Tony Pollard as we've seen before, whether it's injury, whether it's age 26, whether it's ramping up and having a larger workload, he just doesn't have that burst that he's had in past years. So I'm fading. Today, hopefully you all had a better uh, cash weekend than me. Hopefully you got some GPP lineups hitting in there. And uh, if not, then good luck in your matchups, your Monday night football matchups, any showdown or anything else you're doing. I will see you all Thursday when I'm back to preview week seven. Have a great start to your week. Later.